0: If you're tired of running your preschool with multiple apps that don't do the entire job, you should try Playground. Playground is built to do only what you need at an affordable price. They'll train and support your school and your parents without the need for a tech or IT team. It's one app for directors, teachers, and families that handles check-in, health screenings, family billing, classroom management, reporting, and more. Visit tryplayground.com to learn more. That's tryplayground.com. Hi everyone, it's Martha here today. Um, Lindsay is again here in spirit, spooky for Halloween. We um, have an awesome episode for you today for episode four of season three of the Reflective Teacher podcast. We're so excited because this episode is about OT, or occupational therapy, and it's something that um, we hear get thrown around a lot in early childhood. We talk to a lot of OTs, we talk about OTs and the work that they do, so we thought we should get some more information on it and uh, share it with everybody else. So today we talked to an amazing occupational therapist um, named Leah Hiller. Um, and Leah is a um, occupational, a pediatric occupational therapist. She's also an educational consultant and a former teacher at a Jewish day school. Um, she provides uh, teachers and parents with strategies and support, and she uses evidence-based resources to help children thrive um, in their spaces that they occupy um she provides individualized OT but she also offers like wor- workshops for parents and teachers and she teaches graduate courses um in you know special education and and how she can and how you can make best learning environments for um children and their and they're more about their learning needs Um, she lives in Los Angeles and she her OT studio which she gave us a tour of on our zoom call um, is actually located um, in her backyard and is gorgeous so we were so excited to be able to chat with her and we really hope that you're able to take away some of the ideas that we chat about we're hoping to do more with her in the future as she is a wealth of information and we found out that OT is just a gigantic world Um, That is too big for one podcast episode to hold. So without any further ado, here is our interview with Leah Hiller. Let's do it. Let's do it. So um, Leah, so I feel like a big reason we wanted to have um, an OT on the show is because there's so much that I feel like it's just, like, so helpful mm-hmm. to have, like, your insight. And teachers, I was not, like, given any of that background, I don't think, in my four years of undergrad studying early childhood. And, like, this is, like, it's so basic, but no one is talking about it, I feel like. It's it's not, like, so basic, like, it's so easy, but it's, like, so foundational to mm-hmm. everything we do, you know? And so many kids don't have exactly what they need right off the bat.
1: Absolutely, so I will tell you that I taught for nine years in Jewish day schools and then left to become, uh, to go to graduate school. And it was like a long weekend off. I finished the school year on a Friday, started at USC for OT on a Monday and I spent the first semester so mad because every single thing that happened in the graduate program I felt like I should have been taught in my credential program
0: and amazing
1: it wasn't it wasn't there it wasn't mm-hmm. even expected to be there I went to an excellent program it just wasn't part of our training and I was pissed and even though I had left the classroom it was like pretty clear early on in my OT graduate experience that I would definitely want to take all of this back to all of the teachers I worked with that weren't given it. It just wasn't it didn't it just didn't seem fair or reasonable. It's not like I needed to have this like monopoly on all the information like every single teacher should know this. Exactly. Okay.
2: I also and I feel like it's such a fine line for teachers to be able to spot these things that that children are needing and also not be alarmist in the fact that like oh your your child might need some extra support and scare parents right You know, it's a like trail. it's like how early intervention is important but we also want to give them time to develop and we don't want to scare parents by mentioning the like, therapy yeah there might need, there's are some OT needs yeah so but
0: also and like just going back to the first thing like I now remember because Lindsay was at my our school before I was and I remember being like. A brand new teacher almost eight years ago and being like seven years ago and being like um wait what's an ot because this word kept being thrown out <laughs> so that's how little i knew right and then
2: like that's like training teachers should have every year There, you're talking to ot's at some point
1: yeah which. so i think what you're commenting on is like two different things so first of all i think part of it so there's the bad news side of it which mm-hmm. is that is unfair right? OTs have a ton of information. It's part of our training, like from day one. My first semester of OT school, we're talking baby OT, <laughs> is neuroscience and kinesiology. Never did it. Yes. Never did it in in um, all of my teaching experience. Never trained in how your body moves and works, and never trained in really the science of the brain. And that was just the round one. They basically made us do that before we could even start doing these specific OT things. Those were like the baseline and the amount I learned in that time and then was again, telling you, frustrated because thinking back on my nine years of kids I'd had in the classroom, it was like, oh, that's what that conversation Mm -hmm. was about. And I could remember so much and it was really frustrating. It like reminds me of the experience i had when i was teaching which like the first year it's hard and then you start to think like you have it and then you hit this point or i did my second or third year where you all of a sudden realize what it is you don't know and it's overwhelming like you're you get you start to get confident and you're like oh wait there is so much more here so So i think just those foundational classes of neuroscience and kinesiology just like I know you can't do it for every single teacher, but in my role now as an OT, I spend quite a bit of my time as a consultant going back into schools, like I start next Thursday at one of my preschools, and my focus isn't on individual kids, Mm -hmm. I'm there for the teachers. That's amazing.
2: Yes.
1: It's fun, it, but it's not just a good time. Like, it's so crucial. Necessary. Any, right. Any individual kids. How, no
0: com- How common is that? I mean, sorry, I'm like, can Cause I? Because you, you're it?
2: consulting with them, right? With that
0: that's school. Consulting.
1: So I think it, there is a model of intervention, response to intervention, RTI, that basically looks at kids, looks at like this kind of pyramid of um right you've got your kids that are at risk at the top a tiny bit of kids actually need what it is we're selling right they actually Mm -hmm. need the skilled ot intervention that's a tiny number of kids Mm -hmm. then below that you have kind of like would benefit from Mm -hmm. okay maybe they benefit from a group or like try this strategy Mm -hmm. or this tool or this whatever and then you got everybody else those kids, you know, a lot of times the strategies we use are just good teaching. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so if you can go in, yeah, if I were an OT, like let's say a school has bugs, they all do, right? A Limited budget. It's not like we have zillions of dollars mm-hmm. to throw out there mm-hmm. and their OT can only be there a couple hours a week. That OT can meet the needs of those three kids in three hours. Or if we just move a little bit down the pyramid, we can do a group, or we can train the teachers how to start a new curriculum, and that benefits everyone. So I just feel like it's kind of like a more bang for your buck idea, and for, so that's the model. I didn't invent that model. I know,
0: but my that's, I, it's mind-blowing to me as somebody who's, like, very interested in, like, policy and, like, mm-hmm. trying to get... That in more schools because that is yeah. th- that is such a need.
1: Right, it's such a yeah. need, but it's also the idea of, first of all, the public school, like here, LAUSD, LA, UST, LA uh, Los Angeles Unified, where my kids go to school, is definitely got a lot of issues. Right. But their evidence based research, like they use an RTI model, and years ago piloted this idea where their OTs, some of their OTs, do this. They serve the classroom, or they serve the grade level. Mm. Now, that's hard because LA is still, a res- uh, public school is still responsible for both. Like, mm. they've got to provide the direct service and oh, right. oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody's service, so it's an add-on, but the idea behind this is that, like,
0: oh, no, but that's, I mean, maybe, more is always better in these cases.
1: Well, actually, it ends up less, because I mm. started doing this in the schools because you get one classroom Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they're sending four kids to OT, totally possible. There was like something in the water that year and a lot of kids need OT. Now all bets are off now with COVID, a lot of things we're seeing, like I'm not to say those referrals are wrong, but picture if you've got like 30% of the kids in your class being referred for OT, Maybe it would help to have some strategies in your Mm -hmm. classroom, because that's too many referrals. Um, I know for me, I have a small practice, I can't see all those kids, but Mm -hmm. more like something systemic needs to shift.
0: Right, right. Wow. Well, so, yes. I was thinking as an adult, too, like, this is just, it's, so what really gave me an aha moment was, one, I babysat a child for an extended period of time, like, for a long time, her family, and one day I was there when her OT came, and I didn't really pay much attention to what they were doing. I left them alone, but one of the things the OT told me that they're working on is, like, getting her in and out of her seat belt of her car seat because she was getting to the age where she wanted to learn how to do that and that's what they did and that's what they worked on and i loved that because i was like oh my gosh that's so like real life but it's such a good tool for mom because like otherwise she's spending who who knows how long trying to get her in and out of the car seat it's just will make everybody feel more independent and happier so there was that and then there's this thing that happened with my husband (laughs) This is crazy. So it's not crazy. It's like so stupid. But our shower door, (laughs) it like, if you let it go, it slams. And I am just like a person who lets the shower door go. My husband is like, he closes it very carefully. (laughs) And I don't know why, but I was just kind of making the connection that, like, and it's very hard for me to close the door carefully. And I and I, think this is stemming from, like, you know, I think about, like, kids with low core and stuff like that and, and things like that. And I wonder if those everyday, like, things that are easy for some um, and harder for others are those things you see, see and deal with a lot.
1: So I think that's such an interesting thing. It's like, why is this different? So right. it sounds to me what you're dealing with, the specific shower thing <laughs>
2: yeah, like,
1: is, one thing we talk about is like with sensory yeah, yeah. Right. Sensory profile, like how much tolerance or right. registration you have for sensory input. For you, yeah. door slams, move on with your day. Yeah. For people, it's like, oh my gosh, so loud.
0: Yeah. No, but um, it's even so like the tiny muscles associated with like getting the door. Like I can't, <laughs> like, it's just so sensitive that for him, he can close the door softly. For me, I can't. And I was like, is this, a, is this an OT thing? Well, so
1: what? the other part you're touching on, so what's fun about OT as opposed to that I noticed a shift from OT to teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Teaching, we worry a lot about, like, new skills kids are mm-hmm. learning, how they're participating. We've got kind of like these checklists in mind. Mm-hmm. For OTs, we definitely do too, but our focus is function. Right. So what matters is how well the kid or the person, the grown-up, whoever is functioning in their environment. Okay. So that goes back to this idea of not everything's a problem.
0: Okay. I love that. First of all,
1: is it a problem? Is it a problem for you? Like you could come in and say like, I need to work on these things. The Closing the shower Or you could door. come in and say, yeah. this is actually not a problem for me. Right. Like, the shower door slams. I'm an adult. I'm functioning just fine without it. Yeah, right. But the other piece of it is environment, okay? So maybe the solution is we fix the shower door. That's what I keep saying to my husband.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I think that same idea can apply to your classroom. Yes. there's anything wrong with your classroom, but if you have four kids that need OT... Yes, they might need OT, but my role when I use this RTI model is, like, what can we do in our classroom? And OTs are good at that. Teachers are not trained to look at the function within the environment. It's like we pretend these kids are, like, little soldiers that are all in, like, their little boxes, and then you get them out when you're using this OT model. We have all these, like, complex models where you would – you know, the person interacting with the environment and this mm-hmm. and those things really matter and I think that what OTs do, like some OTs are specialists in ergonomics, like literally how you sit at your desk.
0: Right. And That's amazing. And
1: that's this concept of like how do we change the environment to work and it's a big deal for early childhood because No one can sit. people, they don't have control over their environment at all. That's no. true. But I would say that
2: like early childhood Teachers, if you are like, I mean, in more play, play progressive based, progressive education, yeah, environments, the environment is the third teacher. So you are really looking at an environment more, you should be looking at the environment more often. And I
0: don't know what I mean, though, but like, and I think to Leah's point, like the majority of, if, of yes early childhood providers, like how, you know, True. we talked with Anna Hartman a little bit about how, um, you know, there's just such a huge range of people yeah. in the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And that's Probably like we
0: don't have that mindset. training to yeah. look into the classroom and say, wow, no one can sit during my circle time. What's happening? Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you exactly. need to have that, you have to have that
2: reflection piece. Yeah. All the time, constantly. That's
1: the reflection piece, but I think it's almost unfair. So, my piece is there's another level. Mm-hmm. I like reflection. I make my OT graduate students, they all have to do reflections on treatments, which is not something we're expected to do. Sick. There's like a little bit of reflective practice. No, but we love that. Yeah, but it's only because I was a teacher that I have to do this reflective practice. The problem with that is you can only reflect based on your training. That's right. oh i think what ot's can offer is like let's take the circle time isn't working step one reflect on it but there's a whole body of information and shortcuts and strategies that an ot would have to like give you what to reflect on like good first step of doing it but i also think that like there's training and sensory strategies and and um different kinds of ways to observe and approach tasks that you're not, like, I was a teacher forever, and no one taught me how to do
0: that. Exactly. So I think
1: that's a piece that's really important, and it's almost, like, unfair that I, as a teacher, was expected to do that when I wasn't trained in it. No, it's true,
0: and also now, when we do interact with OTs, as someone who doesn't, who is very separate from the OTs in our, like, um, community, it's basically them tell, giving us strategies because mm-hmm. that's their their purpose, right, is to t- t- take their client and tell us what works for them. And then essentially, though, they can't be like, oh, wow, this, well, we get an email being like, this student really reacts well to, like, proprioceptive, like, um, feedback. 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 And we're like, okay, but you need to tell us what that means. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, that means, like, pushing things right and like doing that heavy work and am I right am I on the right track
1: using all the right words the downside is and this is I think where it's helpful like one of my OTs today was at a school meeting Mm -hmm. a school visit and because of COVID I don't go also like we're not going to see a bunch of uh, extra people so she's doing it and it's always like be nice to the teachers yeah but not just be nice to the teachers like get that your job is one-to-one their job is 20 plus to one. So you can't go in there and say like, you know, if you could spend the five minutes before circle time, um, doing some guided proprioceptive activities Mm -hmm. that I'm gonna write out for you for this child while the rest of your class, I don't know what. Plays, yeah. yeah. And then um, that would be great. Let Let me so just I think do that, that. Like, it's like be nice to the teachers, but also be reasonable that it has to
2: work within your environment. Oh, I love this. Me too. To, be nice to and be reasonable.
1: It's a two-way street. Like, or it just like
0: needs to be like a holistic approach.
2: Wait, okay, so can we like just quickly do like a little list of what OT encompasses? And what
0: kind of needs you see.
2: Because oh, cool. I know uh, it I know it's such a huge umbrella. OT. But like what
1: so OT and early childhood. Yes. And, like,
2: we're thinking, like, three to six-year-olds about.
1: Sure. Even maybe maybe first, we'll start. OT, occupational therapy, is a really poorly named profession. (laughs) Occupation really refers to the things that occupy our time. Okay. So, that's the, I don't Mm help kids get jobs. So, the (laughs) occupation part is what do early childhood friends spend their time doing? Mm. We want to help them function at home at school at play so that means again i'm focused on function learning eating sleeping uh f- playing outside socializing things huh socializing yeah. socializing all of those things these different those that is how kids occupy their time i'm interested in helping them function within that space So it is really, really broad Yes. and what's fun is once you get into school-based OT, which starts a little bit older, a lot of the traditional in-school OT interventions are focused just on kids accessing the curriculum. So sometimes you'll see a school-based OT whose focus is just on their learning, like how they're going to access the curriculum, helping them write, helping them, you know, Copy things from the board, helping them, you know, go open the door to the classroom, sit in their chair, unzip their lunch bag. Those are all the things that are only focused on their classroom environment. It's so cool. But early childhood is can be really broad, right? It's just like living in
2: life.
0: Half the time. But I like
2: that. I like that the way that you pose it when you say, like, how do kids spend their time? It really encompasses all that stuff. Yeah,
1: because my job can be super broad. Right, right? So, so broad. It can be, The basic skills that i look for like when i do screen i'll do screenings at preschools and the big categories we're looking for are fine motor skills Mm -hmm. that's like the little muscles in your hands um, gross motor skills running jumping climbing um sensory processing sensory motor skills so how they respond to like the shaving cream and the things they're touching the food they're eating and, and the sensory experiences in their environment. Um, I'm also interested in their visual motor skills. So I spy. Can they spot an object? Are they tracking? Are they doing all of those things to visually take in information? Um, and then there's some other areas we look at as well around executive function. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly that's different in a in an early childhood kid, but can they follow like a two or three step direction? Mm-hmm. No, this is that's and just like
2: self-regulation too, Lindsay I think. And I of.
1: like did a
0: deep dive last year. <laughs> we were in the same classroom last year. Last year around winter time we did a deep dive into executive functioning around getting dressed to go outside. <laughs> and I would say we made success on it because we really looked at like what are effective yeah. ways to help children with step by step or like multiple step processes. But like it, it's a lot. It's so much for a little. Sometimes I, I give a kid. You don't realize. A lot of teachers don't realize that what, what, what they're saying when they're initiating a transition. Like Mm -hmm. okay, it's rest is over. Put away your rest mat. You know, that is that is triggering the start of like a many step transition. Right, and it's
2: like a foreign language to some children. And
0: you look at some kids, and they're just like. (laughs) <laughs> like they're not there. Like they're right. you, like you and, just
1: exploded my brain. the referral my I often get. Okay, what? the referral I often get is blank. Friend isn't paying attention. <laughs> okay, so that is that's great. So it's an attention issue. So I always tell mm-hmm. ask teachers, please, when you're observing a kid who's having a hard time, observe. Right. none of us diagnose OTs don't diagnose okay right that is surprise if you have an OT that diagnosis tell them to stop it <laughs> stop no OTs, it. OTs don't diagnose okay mm-hmm. we can, uh, it gets technical we can assign treatment diagnosis right for my therapy but we do not I cannot say your kid has ADHD oh okay it has auditory processing your kid has that I that is not what I do that is a psychologist or medical doctor mm-hmm. um what i ask teachers to do is observe carefully so let's say you okay everybody it's time to go outside and they have to put on great right, chicago they have to, like put on their little mm-hmm. outfits everything so fun and you can think of and you have a friend who's just looking at you like nothing's happened <laughs> the like, whole class has gone outside he's not looking at
0: us he's like Upside down. Wandering. I'm not, you don't need to gender them, but they're upside
1: down. You know, they're on their face, on the floor, just like...
2: Wandering, been or,
1: yeah, touching things. One um, <laughs> well, assumption you can say is they're just not paying attention when I send the class out. Right? Right. That's one way out. Actually, have maybe they need some intense, heavy work before it's time to put on their clothes. Why? Maybe it's a sensory sensitivity. Okay. Maybe they don't like how something in there feels, and that's why they're avoiding it. Maybe they don't have the fine motor skills to zip it up without pinching their. You know, they like pinch their little neck oh and yeah. fries. <laughs> it's so sad. Maybe they can't do the fine motor. Maybe the body coordination of like mm-hmm. getting their hands in it is just too hard. Um, or they
2: need visuals. I always just go right to visual.
1: No, but you're right.
0: Like, cause I think what you're saying, Leah, is like, if you're observing closely, the kid that never starts at mm-hmm. all may be the kid that is like, okay, the the steps of this process are step one is too hard it's to overwhelming.
2: access. Overwhelming. Yeah. The
0: kid that gets to the rug with their gear and is just standing there holding his holding their snow pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why are these all boys holding their snow pants? Um <laughs> You know, maybe that's the kid with, you could look at sensory or they don't like,
1: they're feeling like I don't... Or
0: need body coordination, a yeah. Or, yeah.
1: What I don't want teachers to do, because I see mm-hmm. this a lot, because one of my roles when I'm a consultant... Yeah, we need those too, teachers. to do make referrals. And if, when a teacher will come in and say, they're just not paying attention, and I think you should get there, like, you know, it's got to be like, I don't know, auditory processing or something. Right. Okay. Well, we actually later down the road find out it's um, motor. It's a motor deficit, or it's attention. But if you've made an assumption, that parent now panics, mm-hmm. runs to the pediatrician, who sends them to the audiologist, who rules out auditory processing. And then they're, right. they're the person who yeah. can do that. Uh, comes back and says, "Cool, we panicked. We checked it out. Not auditory processing. Everything's fine now." And you're like, oh, cool. But I still have this friend who isn't doing the thing right. with the class. So what's most
2: helpful? So, not to make assumptions.
1: So don't watch your language. Okay. Like, watch really language. watch language. I often, like, this morning I had an eval and a parent said, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I, I see them do this and you know, I'm so OCD that it's probably what that is. And I have to stop and be like, okay, are you actually labeled with OCD?
2: Uh, right. Because
1: that's something that relates to family history. Right. Or are you just using it casually to mean you really like things to be a certain way? Right. And right. And I think the same thing comes with these labels, like choose your words yeah. really carefully because yeah. first you don't want to panic parents, but you right. also don't want to narrow what it is you're seeing, mm-hmm. because it's easy to rule that out, but not solve so the problem. That so objective them, language, right? Like right. Comment, what, comment you on see. what you see and how it's mm-hmm. impacting their function. Like, Hey, I'm noticing that every time class goes to line up, friend is still sitting in the circle. Um, and Needs
0: like you say what you do, yeah. So, needs a couple reminders, and like what eventually helps is like taking their hand and like walking with them. So,
2: just like like really narrate your observations,
1: yeah. Okay, that's Um, also if you notice this is happening for a lot of your friends, like more than two or three stragglers, then I think you do exactly what y'all did, which is look at this as a class.
2: So, look at environment.
1: Maybe our job is to learn how to do this process. Do this process, right? And okay. So which like the, best the jingle. Things I, I always tell parents, it's just a blanket. Don't open that for your kid. Oh God. I don't care. I
0: don't care what it is. Just don't. <laughs> just stop. We should just make a slogan and like start a campaign. Yeah. Says, just don't do it for them, please. But don't be nice. Be nice, thing. but don't do it for them.
2: I love Don't that. So Don't attention. open so there
1: are that. There lots pumpkin. of things you can do, <laughs> yeah. but generally speaking, opening jars, opening doors. On my school screening in preschool, I expect the kid to be able to open the classroom doors, whether they twist, whether they push. The kid's ah. walking in and out that door every single day. You're right. so but right. You I bet there's kids out that can. How to do that. We need to figure out what No, that's a safety on. thing. It's so interesting.
2: Um that yeah. Oh gosh. I have so so many questions.
1: (laughs) Like there's so many opportunities. Like if we're trying to do everything in therapy or in the classroom is like structured now's our fine motor center. Right? Now's our fine motor center. Cool. But they also get to do fine motor every day when they like you said, click their seatbelt or unzip their open their snacks.
0: Lindsay, Martha we have an amazing new sponsor along with our awesome sponsor the jewish united fund we are also working with american jewish university or aju this season Um, and they've got an amazing offer to share with you Um, They want you to have the opportunity, educators, to earn your early childhood education degree online with the School for Jewish Education and Leadership at AJU. Whether you are looking to complete your bachelor's degree or start a master's program, you will learn the skills, creativity, and leadership you need to advance your career in early childhood education. American Jewish University has been
2: training educators for the last seven decades. Take the first step in advancing your classroom and administrative expertise by contacting us today at www.aju.edu forward slash education.
0: Educating the educators who teach our children is our passion. This is what they're saying, not what we're saying. I mean, it is what we're saying too, but... (laughs) Educating the educators who teach our children is AJU's passion, and ours. Visit the School for Jewish Education and Leadership of American Jewish University online today at the same location Lindsay just said, www.aju.edu forward slash education. We will also be posting all of that information in our blog so that you can access it there. Thank you so much. Hi everyone. It's add Martha and Lindsay here. (laughs) We're excited to share that we have a new sponsor. Um, It's called Playground. Playground is a preschool management application or app. Um, You may be using one to take your attendance or manage your pickup, your drop-off, health checks, those sorts of things, and all the administrative stuff that goes on in your school, payments, things like that. Um, But Playground is different. They are very school-based. And one thing that we really love is that
2: customer service service is such a high priority, and you can reach someone 24-7 with live
0: support only
2: a few seconds after opening up the chat.
0: That's awesome, instead of having to wait like a day or two to hear back if you have a question. Yeah, exactly, it's like a low barrier to entry. The app is really easy to use.
2: They also really based the app and the whole idea of it on their customer
0: feedback. So yeah, basically they just like listen to what people were saying because they care about what schools need, what centers need, and that's why they built the app and the app really only has what you need and not a bunch of extra features you won't use. Exactly. Um, So right now, actually, they're offering a free three-month beta program with no contracts, commitments, or fees, where you work hand-in-hand with them to develop the solution that uniquely fits your school. So visit tryplayground.com to learn more. That's tryplayground.com. Right, like just those little... Yeah. So, So, what are some more opportunities for
2: teachers to just really like highlight on those opportunities, like or to really highlight those those moments?
1: Touch their snack that they probably (laughs) like slobbered on, and like it was in
2: their mouth. Okay. So kids must open their snacks.
1: Or we also like
0: can you ask a friend? Maybe not during COVID times, but like that can also help with the. depending on the kid too but we like yeah the good social socialization social
1: i think is great ask a friend first i like it the okay. other thing though is when sometimes you look at parents so there's always the flip side right don't open that for your kid and then your kid's like gonna be stuck behind that door forever <laughs> so yeah. another ot concept that i think teachers know but maybe don't name it all the time is this idea of a just right challenge and I mm. think in my training as an OT, right, as a teacher, I was really focused on pedagogy, like classroom-wide things, and mm-hmm. then individual learners. As an OT, we were trained to go like super narrow into something they call task analysis,
0: okay. where
1: you take like one task, which could be like me, I don't know, complex would be like making my iced coffee, but maybe this could just be drinking my iced coffee, and you analyze Every single component of that task. That's fun. I mean, I, like, I don't remember. No, I, it, I, I've got I was like,
2: it. that does not sound fine to like, me. I'm like, I'm
1: doing
2: it. <laughs> that sounds but terrible if to me. you
1: notice, like, you're, you have a kid who isn't, um, let's say, uh, you're learning how to write their names, and they're not doing it. Mm, right. Or they're doing it in a way that's super hard. So analyze that task, not just how they're doing it, but what are all the components involved in that, right? I have to have the hand strength to pick it up. I have to have the tolerance for a cold glass. I have to have the eye-hand coordination to like open my mouth at the right time. I've got to swallow. Sit up, time. even because you know,
0: like if you're not, Whoa. if you're like slumped over and so like posture. Well, I was talking about that with scissors, like something I tell kids all the time because they cut like this. It's like a way, really, way to help or a really great way to help you cut is to have like a chicken wing to the to the side because then it helps them like orient their hands somehow better. But I feel like. And I won't let you do the chicken wing. Yeah, because then sometimes they'll no go more, like this. No more, you said
2: no. No more chicken wing. Because then they kind of go like this and twist with chicken wing. So
0: this is good. Ding,
2: ding, ding. No, they twist with chicken wing. You got to have them like posture. No chicken wing. No chicken oh, wing. Oh, have shit. The side. I never do chicken wing. Martha, Sheet. how did we teach together? You and don't I, chicken I.
1: I never. I that Ready, <laughs> you
2: know my solution? What? Ready no chicken, chicken Oh, yeah. Oh, hold the, hold the thing under your armpit. Yeah, you want to hold it close. Wait, is that what I was doing? Because I, I was know. always
1: telling can you kids. My song? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Wait, 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 wait. We do need this. this. is like a big thing for teachers. So scissors help. Don't. What's the strategy? Don't
0: do a chicken wing.
2: <laughs> no chicken wing. No.
1: So here's. So can we take a step back and go bigger? Yeah. yeah. What benefits teachers is, and parents too. Yeah. Kids and, and kids. Everybody it's not helpful to be told what not to do. Right. It's way better to be told what to do instead. Okay. So let's look at all of this from that lens, right? So if we take first the opening a jar, right? Right. Don't open that jar for your kid. You're gonna let them open the paint jar. What if they can't? So that's where we get into this idea of the just right challenge. So don't open that for your kid. Next is what do you do instead? So the right. idea is you can put on your task analysis glasses and you figure out the just right challenge, which could be, maybe you give them hand over hand support, right? Oh. You, maybe they've got, figure out what's going on. Maybe they're trying to open the jar with one hand and it's just twirling. So maybe you give them a verbal cue for the helper hand, get your helper hand on there and then they still do it, it doesn't work. Maybe they don't have the strength, so then you can provide hand over hand you can put your hand on top of theirs and help them twist it and then they do it and then you put it back on and say now you do it
2: and then they have to try
1: you're still allowed to like scaffold it yeah right right. that's the word i was gonna say scaffold is like 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 key is appropriate but i think that's one of those things that like as an ot i was trained to do that and i wasn't necessarily trained. To do that as a teacher. We have right. this idea of scaffolding, we call it grading, where it's not assessment, it's grading something like if I get a scale opening the jar, mm-hmm. it's too hard, maybe I grade it down by
2: mm-hmm.
1: opening it a little and,
2: and then, then, then have it in trash.
0: Oh, right. It it really is scaffolding. Like it's yeah. like in the truest sense, like physically making the finding the right fit. So that's what you
1: do instead. So if you get everybody to stop opening that for kids, your job is not done. Now you can try to do the just right challenge and then you try to provide the appropriate level of scaffolding. So in that is like the whole expertise of what every educator does is, hey, do they need my hand over their hand? Do they need a verbal cue to use the helper hand? Is it that they're trying to open it but their eyes are out they need to focus what is going on that they need help with so that they can find the success and the bigger picture with that is function as an OT if I can get a kid to that baseline level of where they'll try then the tasks in their daily life do the rest of the work my goal as an OT if I take a kid for individual work isn't to just get them to typical Oh, I want them to score typically like everybody else. No, my goal is to get them to a point where I, like, change the trajectory. Okay. Because what can happen is if they're not able to open the jar, zipper, whatever, and they know that, they avoid it, people Mm. do it for them, and all these daily opportunities don't happen, and now their trajectory of fine motor skills is just, like, while Mm. all their friends are going up. So if we can just get the right level of support to, like, change the curve and Mm -hmm. they'll try, they have the baseline skills to try, then all these opportunities should help them to meet those needs. It's true for everything. Like, think about it with social skills. If you have a kid, like, not every kid needs to be in a social skills club.
0: Sometimes
1: kids have social deficits and they don't know how to enter play appropriately. They just blow it up right Mm -hmm. friends are playing a game they want to play they just go in and like yeah and it goes everywhere and they never get to enter the play appropriately and they never get to practice and they don't get Mm -hmm. better at playing so the idea is if we can scaffold those skills either by role playing or a group or we'll figure out what those that can means then they can get better at entering play which means like Maybe they'll be invited to play more. They'll participate, and that should change their social trajectory.
0: Can we talk a little bit yeah, uh, along that. that same vein of, like, OT needs that kind of um, present themselves as, what's it called, um, behavioral issues, if you will. So, like, the entering play, like, being that kid that just is, like, body check because I don't know what else to do. And Mm -hmm. then, um, or the kid that, like, during the rest time, like, is just sitting there and, like, you know, trying to make as much noise as possible, say.
1: So I think you're asking a really important question about whether things are, um, Fit into the realm of what something an occupational therapist can help with, and whether it's behavioral and you want a behaviorist to address. Because I think teachers. Sorry to interrupt you, but I think so. I think so
0: often you're at a crossroads. Not I would. It's there's often many paths, right? But like the. Where you're identifying some things that you want to work on with a student, and like sometimes the route you find the family taking is like, Wait, an OT, I thought it was this problem, or Wait, a speech therapist, that seems
1: you know what I mean? So, and that's a really good question, and it's a really big challenge because there's a lot of pieces to that. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, OT, as we said before, like, has become the thing. When mm-hmm. I started my teaching program almost 20 years ago, I didn't even know what it was. Or else like, maybe I would have become an OT then. <laughs> I think, you know, but I had never heard know, of it. I know. I'm like, do I need to learn more about being an OT? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I only knew about um, physical therapy, which so is separate.
1: It was, so I think okay. in some sense, it's really good. We all know what OTs are. And a lot of times for parents, there's like a low barrier to entry. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel scary. It right, doesn't... no, I
0: agree. Mm. It's it's and less so some...
2: See, I would, I would think opposite. I would think, like, seeking out any, like, additional therapy would be scary for maybe, a lot of parents.
0: Maybe one additional would be, yeah. like, a bigger step. But I think in, when you're thinking in terms of, like, okay, my kid. Types of therapy. My kid is doing this behavior. It's really freaking me out. Instead of, like, jumping to, like, a psychiatrist yeah. or, yeah, or yeah. like, something intense, more intense. OT is the go-to. Yeah, maybe an OT can be, like, a first baseline And
1: that happens a lot, but that doesn't mean, what I tell parents is if someone comes to calls for an eval and it comes not from the pediatrician, like it comes straight from the school, my first step is usually a call with the school. As part of my eval, I'll do a call with the school and I do a screening with the parents because what doesn't go well is when they come and do an evaluation and everything's typical and my answer is like, you should see a baby (laughs) So, we do kind of have those conversations about it. What most often happens is that um, parents, you're often on a journey, right? And an OT can look at a child's overall function and needs to really work in partnership with the pediatrician and the school because. It's not something, like, OT does not fix all things. And I have parents that get really frustrated by that. I'm sure. But we're much more comfortable coming to you. Can we just come to you? And You just fix it. That, that, just can you do that? Mm-hmm. And, and my I see it as my job as parents. If we're still in OT at the six-month mark and we haven't met our goals and aren't planning for discharge, then we need to look to the next, what are we gonna do? We're gonna refer either back to the pediatrician or developmental pediatrician and figure out what underlying um, causes are there. Okay. Um, Also, the other time I insist upon that is if there's OT and, OT and speech, OT and behaviors. If there's more than one provider working on something, that's when I look to the medical doctors or a psychologist um, to guide our care. Oh, okay. I'm not trained in all the things. Right. Yeah, so that's so true, true. Skill. My gift is knowing what it is I don't know, and recognizing that I can't diagnose your child for autism. Right. That's above my pay grade. I can't tell you if there's a genetic disorder.
2: Right. Right. I
1: can't tell you. Um. What kind of traumatic event is spurring this and needs to be unpacked? Like, those are mm-hmm. all something that I look to those other professionals mm-hmm. and make that referral. Now, sometimes heads of schools, preschool directors and the like will refer to me or re- refer to the OT because maybe I can have that hard conversation and maybe they're getting resistance. From right. The that's parent. that's so interesting. That's part of my job.
0: Huh, that's actually, that's also really helpful for teachers too, just to have that in their back pocket if they're running into that, because that happens for sure. Right. Just like needing to have help articulating, you know, the root of the, to the parents getting, not articulating, but really helping get a trusting um, person from their family community or their, you know.
1: Yeah, we really want, like, my job is to be both, like, an advocate for the kid, mm-hmm. but also making sure that, like, it really is an advocate for the kid. So I'm meeting the teacher's needs, hopefully, but my goal is to make it work for the kid.
0: Right, right. And
1: so I think that that's kind of my bigger my bigger picture is, like, training the parents, getting people on the same page, it's almost like the case manager, which is really why when I left the classroom Ooh. to become an OT, that was what I liked. I always, the kid that mm-hmm. was like licking the wall. Right. Like, that kid
2: Same. does licking the wall? See, I, oh,
1: I love the like, wall licker. I strung. He's licking the wall. It's like I not even a delicious wall. He's just licking the wall. <laughs> and what is going on? And I always found those kids like the most compelling but as a classroom teacher, I felt like I didn't have the, the time, bandwidth, to
2: right, like, or the time. I also like I have a hard time understanding where it's coming from. <laughs> like, yeah, you need I don't, that background. I need that to, background. To like, help I just work through. I don't it. go there. Yeah. You don't, but so it helps, the obviously.
1: Thing, and I tell all my teaching graduate students, it's like your job is not to provide therapy mm-hmm. or to diagnose. Your job is to teach kids okay right i really appreciate that don't feel like this is your job your job is to do the good teaching that you do Mm. and if you can't if you're if you're stuck and you're like hey i'm not meeting this kid's needs yeah who can help me what do what tools do i need to do and don't start with who can help me i would say you probably have a lot of tools already try some different things See what works. Start the conversation. Maybe they're seeing it at home, too. Like, oh, my gosh, yeah, he's been licking the walls at home, too. Right. Maybe we should figure it out. Um, by the way, first step if the kid's licking the walls or eating things that aren't food <laughs> is you send them to the pediatrician. You want to rule out, like, Pika. Right. Like, neural deficiency. It's never that. It's I almost like my cat that. has that. But, like, yeah. rule that out. Then we can talk about sensory processing. But, like, your job isn't to diagnose and quote, fix right. it. Your job is to observe, and if you're not able to teach that child because they're busy licking your classroom walls, then maybe that's when you say, hey, there's something we need to do here. What what strategies could we use for that? Okay, we are just like...
2: Wait, and then also, wait, picky eaters like plays into wait, this. <laughs> I want to
0: go into one more thing really quick. We need part I know, two. We, we need part like, two. We need part seven, eight,
1: nine. Um... <laughs> ooh, it's very broad so it's like hard to i know it. I, it's I did, so broad i'll tell you i did a podcast with a friend of mine who's a neuropsychologist yeah and she was like you're only allowed to talk about executive function and cooking with kids it was like the whole yeah was like this big we
2: need to we need oh. to just scope it my down my mind is
1: fully
0: blown i think this is amazing yeah. really quick so you don't think and maybe this is a philosophies like differing of opinion or I don't know, but I feel like it's pretty common for an early childhood teacher to be asked to almost perform therapeutic, uh, like practices or whatever for a certain student who is working with an OT. Yeah, or something. strategies. Yeah, right? like strategies, and it can be somewhat timing time consuming. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> do you She's, think? Um, do you think that that is? an appropriate ask or
1: so I play both sides here yeah someone who is a teacher at heart like I'm totally teacher that is who I am and as someone who trains novice teachers right I get it the challenge you're talking about I think is first I don't have time for that Mm. The other thing is, you're probably performing a kind of craft version of it,
2: right? It's like this this
1: isn't, and so it's like I can do that, but I'll get this all the time. The kid needs heavy work, and so we're doing jumping jacks because they said jumping. Well, maybe that kid is sensitive to movement input, and it's actually dysregulating for them to do jumping jacks.
0: That's That's I. I feel like this happens all the time, where I'm like, someone said this kid likes like intense, you know, like. Uh, Feedback. Feedback. Like more intense and so they're like so like having them walk on their hands and feet and like stuff like that and more like active play. But I think that that is the wrong kind of intense feedback sometimes and maybe that does rile the kid up and make them more like woo and like all (laughs) over the place. So again, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like you're it's a very performative
1: like, I'm just going through the motions here. Right, and there's so the time constraints. It, so there's two pieces there. One's, like, is it a reasonable expectation of right. your time? And one, are you do you have the tools and training? Right. The knowledge. To make it an effective version of what you want. And, and how do you know those what those to look valid, for? People always get annoyed. Like, well, if the teacher would just, like, do this. And you're right. like, yeah, well. And I'm... I want to clarify that I'm somebody
0: that right. is like I want well, I'm interested in this, so I'm happy to take the time to do it, and I want to learn how to do it. But we I also know have
2: the we have the we
0: have resources, resources to do
2: it to because do we this. have more teachers in the classroom than just one. Having right. one teacher but in the I classroom, but I know that
0: that's not everybody's case and right. not everybody's interest. Like some people may just be like, so like I just want to I just want to do studies with my kids, and like I can't, you know. So, that's so why I guess I
1: think those are both important yeah, questions. It's overwhelming. The other side of this is. So I think there's a systemic answer to that. Okay. It's not necessarily the easiest answer, but I think it takes very little training and support for it to be done well. But I cool. think the big thing that this is an administrative issue is getting your teachers the basic training to implement the strategies provided is not that hard. We should right? get Leah like, for BC. Now, like, yeah. You can do that. Like, it's not Wait,
2: that You do do teacher
0: workshops. We're like, we're going right? to call you. We're going to make our boss yeah. call you.
1: It's <laughs> not that hard. But the other thing is, like, it's also really empowering. And then your job can be first, you can do it effectively. Mm. And then you can be the one to provide feedback. Because what happens if you don't exactly know what you're doing, but you're trying. And it's not working, we don't know as the OT if it's not working because you're not quite sure how to do it or because right. that's actually the wrong strategy for that kid. Totally. The other thing is that it's just such a low bar to, like, it's not that hard to do. It takes, like, an hour or to, to do a training uh, for teachers on sensory strategies. It doesn't take mm-hmm. that long to do a training on fine motor development. Mm. It's just not that challenging. And I think the mistake is made that teachers are always, I feel like teachers are expected that it's like a willpower. Like if you really wanted to, you would do it. Yeah. <laughs> but this is not the same thing. Like I don't see a lack of will in you saying like, hey, I'm trying the strategies they said. They don't seem to be working. And so what happens? But if you know why you're doing it, and how they're supposed to work and then can reflect on it, then that's actually better information for everyone.
0: And you can, like, help grow that whole process, too, and move it forward.
1: The other part of this that's really important is to recognize that that heavy work isn't going to harm the rest of the kids. So maybe if you have a friend who benefits from doing, like, an intense inversion, or we call them, like, L-stands, where they kind of, like, really need a wall, or a wall sit, if you have a kid that really needs that intensity before they walk into the classroom, there is no problem with having all four of your four-year-olds sit on the wall, like sit on the wall. Right. They all sit there. Like, no, for sure. Up, I
0: care. exactly. It, My co-teachers. It works for everyone. It doesn't hurt yeah, them. Yeah. My co-teachers now, came up. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. With a beautiful solution, we you know once we're told like, a student likes to get like a um, does better with. Um, like a tight squeeze or, like, some sort of something like that um, before, like, a more traditional having to sit learning time. Um, And then my co-teachers were like, uh, maybe we could have the whole class kind of pretend to give themselves a big bear hug or something Mm -hmm. like
1: that. Like, something like that. I think that's smart. So there's a lot of tools like that that are so accessible but I think it's like, it's not necessarily fair. The other challenge is do you, most schools have an administrator who can be the liaison? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that liaison job can't just be logistical. Ooh,
0: yeah. Same
2: I like that. that <laughs> like,
1: liaison job, if that person's coordinating, oh, the OT is going to do a call with us. Right to provide services to like give us some strategies and mm-hmm. that person, and it should be a teacher, like a lot of the, pre, the preschools I work with don't have a ton of administration. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's one teacher who's into it and that teacher gets to be on the calls, that teacher gets to be kind of like the expert in integrating strategies. And then mm-hmm. that teacher can also say like, oh, remember you are on the call where we have to do X, Y, Z for this friend and here's how we can integrate it and then they can check back and i think it's a good like yes some schools do it as the administrator but a lot of the preschools i'm in have one so So there's to be like
2: one point person
1: and that's like also promoting teacher leadership which we're all about yeah and the other thing that's nice about it is um in covid may change this but in preschools we tend to see each other's kids like you notice friend is like wandering, you know, he's like not all the way made it to the bathroom. And you're like, there's a teacher leader who's seen, who knows what's going on and also knows a strategy. And so like, there's more um, ability to like kind of pivot. The Other big thing that I also think is logistical is the teachers are often the one on the call but the teaching assistant is usually the one doing all that strategy. stuff. Oh yeah! Right, oh right. yeah! Oh yeah! You're so and good, that's right a on. Big problem if they right because, like, if you think you have a craft version of the strategies that yeah. the person Sorry. the team yeah. provided, but then you're delivering it to the teaching assistant.
2: Right, and then things get lost what? in translation.
1: Right. Yeah, and it's exactly, and that
0: person has so much less experience usually.
2: Anyway, um, really quickly before I forget, you do offer teacher workshops, correct?
1: I do offer teacher workshops, and I've even done them on Zoom.
2: Okay. I know. I know. Like, I like, I feel like this them. is just, this should be, like, a in-service every year oh, no, thing. I like, also feel like... Pick one OT, like... like- Area that you want your all of your early childhood teachers to work on that year and just, like, learn about it every year, like a new... But I think
1: that's true, but I think what makes often more sense, because okay. there's one school I've been at the longest, yeah. and then a few others where I'm more focused strictly on workshops, is if we can have a teacher leader there who right. kind of thinks it's important, because they're... You can train that person. Ground, right. right? But I the f- ones who someone can go to
2: yeah I just also feel like just like ongoing though is really important right like you can't just be like a one and done like that here's your one you can
0: receive the ongoing training right, that or, teacher leader or like the but then that better, teacher
2: leader can't be everywhere at once
0: but it would. it's better to have one person than no one if, like I'm saying right, if, right. if that's at the bare minimum right or uh. there's a few pieces to it in
1: every school right. like this isn't an easily like it's easily customizable okay. but it has to be whatever yeah. works like, it has to meet your school's needs. I think, like, the big good news on all of this is the fact that the, the shift I've seen in, um, my time teaching, both teaching mm-hmm. as an as OT is that there's a move towards more awareness mm-hmm. of kids' unique needs and a more, just the fact that y'all want to do these things and the problem isn't, I see it way less of, um, no, that's not my job, or, like, I'm not in right. that, or I'm not, it's, like, genuinely, like, I want to know, mm-hmm. I see this as a need, tell me what I should do. That's right. a shift. Right. That's yeah. a big difference, and I think that that bodes well. What's happening is, like, the schools are just trying to catch up. Totally, and, exactly.
0: I think, and there's a yeah. whole field of, like, or a whole realm of professionalizing early childhood. And, right. And, 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 you know, education for young students and young people in general mm-hmm. and I like how you're saying schools may be even slower on that uptake but the teachers themselves the professionals themselves might yeah. be um you know catching on a little quicker
1: and I yeah. don't think it's like the school themselves it's like any institution right. A little, a little right right but right. you also like
2: have to have the resources to get and specialists to train your teachers the
0: understanding is becoming more and more common though right
1: but the fact that schools are asking for it right and I'm seeing it across the spectrum. When I first started teaching, I was at a progressive day school. And now a lot of the schools that are, are reaching out are, are um, ultra-Orthodox yeshivot are saying, Ooh. hey, come work with our middle school boys. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Right?
0: Yeah, no, that's probably, they got a, they a <laughs> lot
1: of looking at their environment.
0: Wow. That was
1: very loaded <laughs> of me, but just saying.
2: Cut it. That's no
1: for support for their kids, and by the way, especially for their boys. Yeah, the
2: I mean... Like, you
1: know, a little repressed. Gonna, huh? They're a little repressed, I'm guessing. But, like, there's a lot of... I think it's a sign... Yeah, it's a good like, sign. Yeah,
0: oh, yeah. yeah.
1: It's just going to have to look different everywhere. And that's yeah. cool. That's,
2: that's cool. not I just, like, after this, I just really want more training. <laughs> and yeah. And, but, okay, wait. Like, but,
0: we need to... We do need to wrap up because
1: i unfortunately, I'm actually someone who's waiting for, i have a grad student oh yeah
2: sorry and yeah right. you have your time we might oh, need a part yeah. two we three might, four yeah we like <laughs> loved this conversation yeah.
1: i feel like we talked in a lot of directions so we'll
2: definitely want you back we'll let we'll we'll plan on getting this out sunday we'll email you and
0: yeah thank you so much this was
2: insane.
1: Yes. Yeah. all right y'all thank you all right thank you, you so, thank much. so much we this, have this was so was fun awesome. yes thanks all have right. a great day Bye. Y'all. Bye. Bye.